and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. Very good. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this is the story So Farscape. Uh, I love that you're frankly fascinated. Uh, I, re- I really it, enjoy that, Monica. It's really the only thing I can say about myself when it comes to uh, Farscape. I'm really eager to find out what happens to the uh, people on board Moya. And yeah, and how the how the various plots are advanced from the from the first season on to the second. Yeah, not very much in this episode, but nope. you know, it's, it's uh, another one of those like kind of a Planet of the Week episode. I suppose kind so. Of? Yes. So we had that last week as well when we did Vitas Mortas, and mm. this week we are doing. Taking the Stone, Season 2, Episode 3, written by... Just squinting into my memory banks here. Oh, no, of course, it's Justin Monjo. Ah, yes, he did several other episodes, didn't he? That's Uh, right. The Flax and A Human Reaction. Oh. uh, And The Hidden Memory. That was the second part of the season finale, four-parter, kind of. Oh, yeah, a a two-parter in four parts. (laughs) Or a four-parter in three parts. If you take Bone to be Wild, it's kind of a standalone in the middle. True, but even then there's a little bit of plot advancement. Yeah. Between the whole uh, story that, especially with uh, Scorpius and his uh, endeavors when he uh, matched his way onto the asteroid. That's a really that's a really euphemistic way to, of saying it. Scorpius and his endeavors. Well, well I, I mean, like what else are you going to say about Scorpius? Well, lots actually, but and we and we have and we will. But he doesn't feature at all. Oh, Rowan Woods is the director. Oh, 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 back and back and back to the future. That was him. And thank God it's Friday again. And also a human reaction. So this is this is Rowan Woods and Justin Monjo. Well, they've worked uh, together on some of these before. A human reaction, uh, I think, was uh, was both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a very good episode, so let's... Uh, Sorry, but I jumped the gun. I didn't give you a chance to do uh, the story so far, Scape. I'm still doing the story so far, Scape. Oh, I can do it this time. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, let's... Oh, it's actually surprisingly difficult. I'm trying to be clever. Okay. I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. A, f- a man out of his depth, an American science jock, is yeah. on, a, on a living ship full of strange alien creatures who have become his friends and with whom he's had many, many adventures. But... They're they're in a weird situation now because they're not really being hunted so much. Not that much. I mean, well, Scorpius, as we just mentioned, is probably still after John in particular. He doesn't care much about the rest. He he has shown. Yeah. Also, See, yeah. you, you don't feel that that constant sense of like it doesn't seem like they're constantly trying to stay ahead of. No, Scorpius they seem to have be a little bit of lost for a purpose at this point. I mean, they've clearly long Very since good. given up on find, trying to find any star charts, or even when they do find them, to do anything with them. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> they've, they've abandoned that. And for... it's just turned into a bit of uh, yeah, ship drifting around uh, the galaxy. We don't exactly know where or how they are or what they're doing. It's like they don't have a stated purpose. They don't say. Like, oh, we're going to try and do this. We're going to try to make our way back to Delvia Prime or whatever the planet's called. Or Yeah. I mean, they're still in the uncharted territories. Uh, you'd think that if they wanted to go back to one of their home worlds, they would start by getting out of the uncharted territories. Now, the point with the uncharted territories is there's no charts of them, but you generally have an idea of where the uncharted territories are in relation towards the charted yes. territories. No, exactly. Certainly so if you're in, like, are we in the right galaxy? Exactly. If, if what, what shape is the galaxy that we want to go to? So you think, like, point the ship in the right direction and get get back to, like, the charted parts of it. See, for the longest time, in my original uh, watch, which was on the BBC, and that was without subtitles, I thought it was the uncharted territories, as in... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They are charted, but they're, like, non-aligned worlds. That makes right? sense, yeah. And you've got, like, maybe Delvian territories. No, and, that and, would and make sense, yeah. Hot space. 
<laughs> yes, on the on the outer rim, Star Wars, very good. With the uh, center of government being Narshada. I think so. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't yeah. really call it government, but yes, that's. <laughs> The, smug- the, the smugglers' planet, as it's I've also known. I've recently started a, yeah. a side pod with uh, with our cosplaying friend Greg. We have podcasts at home, Kaki. <laughs> yes, but this time I get to be you. Ah. It's called it's called Rebel Air, and he's showing me Star Wars Rebels, which I've never seen before, mm. and it is so interesting to sit on the other side of the the, the, the sort of glorious divide and watch it with a completely uh, open mind, and just like yes. get to think and speculate about everything that's going on, and uh, yes, yes, until he until as you put it. Steam comes out of his eyes. <laughs> Although I've I've given him the handy option that anytime I speculate too much and he and he doesn't want to comment one way or the other, yeah. he can plead the Sith. Ah, very good. <laughs> you can find us at rebelair.com or rebelairpod on Twitter and Instagram. That's air with an H. I've been Kaki. I've been Greg. All right, okay, so let's let's dive in. Prepare to starburst. Oh, diving is appropriate. It's like Acapulco all over again, except no water. What does that mean, Kay? I'm talking about those cliff diver things, you know, those people jumping off high cliffs in Acapulco for the benefit of the tourists. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Never been myself. No, nor I, but I've, se- I've seen it in various TV shows and things. For some reason, I have a memory of in the 80s, like uh, uh, cliff diving being a real big thing that occasionally shows up in various oh, programs. I, I kind of feel that as well. Like, it, it, was a, it was a little fad there for a while. Uh, I can't yeah. really place it. So, yeah, j- diving straight in. Like, Chana stumbling through the corridors. Yeah, there's a, for a second I thought we were doing Far Side of the Moon again because there's this this sort of bizarre heartbeat soundtrack in the background and these mm. and these synthesizers and we're just I was just waiting for like breathe to start. I thought she was just drunk or drugged or something like that. All right. She 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 walks in on Crichton and asks if he's busy. He says yes he is. He's uh, trying, trying to make sense of the navigational systems. What are you breaking now? Not breaking anything. Trying to see how our quote-unquote navigation system, quote-unquote, works. I still think a lot of it is just Pilot making shit up as he goes along. You know, it's... <laughs> yes. And he does not have time for Chiana, even when she says straight up, yeah. I need to talk. Yeah, that, uh, that, that, was, that struck me as a little strange. I mean, like, John's, like, being very concerned about his uh, fellow crewmates. Uh, and I guess he's just like, we've all been there, you know, you're working on something, you're being frustrated and you're focused on your task and someone comes by and you kind of just kind of like, not right now, I'm working on something. That if, if, yeah. I, if I stop now, I'm going to have to start all over again. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he clearly just does not pick up on the on Shana's urgency here, I suppose. Yeah. Hey, do you know what? I would like to invoke uh, the special clause of the Treaty of Mintaka 3, where it's yes. okay if we talk out of order. Yeah. Because... I actually think this episode is not so interesting to discuss beat by beat. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the sort of emotional arcs are more interesting to discuss. Okay. So, so how do you feel about that? I mean, about like being kind of loose and quick with what actually sure. happens? Because it's, I've got to, it sort of felt a little bit slack. I've got to say, like, yeah. I had that feeling with Vitas Mortis as well, the, the, the previous episode where Dargo finds the, the Oricon. Yeah. It felt like the sort of, Star Trek The Next Generation mystery of the week where, oh, we have to we have to get to the end of this scene before we earn another clue that'll advance the, the, the plot to the yeah, next one. I see what you mean. 
Which is kind of different from the kind of energy that we've seen on, on Farscape, uh, like Mystery of the Weeks so far, where it's much more like, I guess, house, where there's right. a, there's an early, like, misdiagnosis, and then we try and fix that, and then a new misdiagnosis. Here, like, the stakes are very clear from the start, and we just have to watch these people take a long time to get to the solution that we can recognize as obvious. Right. Well, there's an, a lot of emotional and storytelling development without there actually yeah. being a lot of things happening really there's a few scenes in where there's like yeah stuff happens but there's no there there's no clear progression go to go to here rescue this person shoot those right, people uh, right. and do that so it's it's a lot of uh, sitting around and talking and yeah, people sharing emotions and like trying to figure out what the other people are up to and what's bothering them. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. like, let's ta- let's take a look at like the, the the major sort of emotional arcs in this in this episode. One of them is uh, is Chiana, yeah. who's dealing with with grief. Yeah. Because in this early scene, we see her stumbling about, and she and she actually goes to the maintenance bay, flips up a desk lamp that I recognize. I, I, at- I noticed that yes. desk lamp as well. They painted it bronze, so it looks it looks very cool. But I have seen that in IKEA. <laughs> It's, it's, the little, it's the little bar sticking out from the bottom from it. Yes, which you the can, grippy bar, so you can actually move it. So you don't have to touch the hot lamp. Yes. yes. Yeah, she uh, she cuts open her belly. Not a lot of blood, I noticed. No, well, uh, it looked like some sort of weird cauterizing instrument, which was kind of weird anyway, because it's like you'd think that something used for incisions and stuff wouldn't be coiled. Huh. But, yeah. Well, I mean... We, we know that use- she's like of royal descent now, because she has blue blood. <laughs> Very good. Actually, we've seen that before. When when Silas was murdered, you know her her jailer. Mm. We also remarked that there wasn't a lot of a lot of blood. Yeah. Okay. So so maybe they just don't do a lot of bleeding. So what what, she, what, what's her species called again? Oh, Nabari. Nabari. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, she uh, digs out a hockey puck like device. I, I was thinking, oh, her order is ready, and she can go and pick it up from the from the buffet window. <laughs> I was thinking like her. I don't know. I, I was thinking she she had like some sort of medication, some sort of drug, some sort of chemical that she needs. And oh no, now she, and my now, IUD wore out. Exactly. Well, or, or her insulin pump or, you know, some, right. something along those lines. That's what that, that's where my thoughts immediately went when I saw that thing. Right. And, I, and she's now going to have a problem. We're going to have to go and find the thing that she needs to stay alive. But it turns out that this is actually what, uh, what Zan recognized as a life disc, and it indicates that the person on the other end of the disc is now no longer alive. And yes. that's what propels her propels her grief. So that's one of the, one of the major sort of tentpole arcs in this episode. Mm-hmm. The other one is Crichton dealing with like his own guilt for yeah. having not made made any time for Chiana and his sense of responsibility for her as a member of his family. Yeah. And having to learn like how to do that. And what's interesting especially is that he has to learn how to do that from Aaron. Yes. Like she in this episode she's the dove and and he's the hawk. He's the one who wants to club Chiana and drag her back to the ship and just set her straight and and stop which, her from making a mistake. Which would exactly normally be Aaron's method, which he exactly. actually which he actually comments on. You can't take it like this. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I, can't. Aaron, what the hell is wrong with you? You are the pinup girl for frontal assault. You should be dragging her back to the ship yourself. Then Aaron goes like, mm, "You're not getting it." It's- yeah, she has to make this choice. This journey, and I mean, I suppose it's a way that she's dealing with her grief of her brother having died, which we, interestingly enough, don't learn anything about, which I yeah. thought was a very powerful thing. It's like, all she knows is that he's dead. This yeah. life life disc has uh, ceased working, which apparently makes her feel weird, which, I mean, you'd think that a life disc having that implanted like that, it seems like a odd way to go about things, you know? Yeah, I wonder what it normally does. Yeah. And why it would have it so deep inside. I mean... Yeah. It's, Maybe you can feel it. 
Maybe you can feel... Very clearly, considering how it's making her feel when she's stumbling around. It's clearly doing something to her that makes her feel yeah. distraught or drunk. I mean, that's what I said. It looks like she's like she was acting like she was like drunk or drugged. Imagine if you had a if the life disc is just constantly like giving experiential telemetry. Mm. That if if Neri has a like three day bender that she gets to enjoy, oh, enjoy his that. his wooziness. I mean, it, it would and make also more his hangover. It would make more sense if it was some sort of emotional connection that like it gives you a little bit of the uh, the other person's emotional state. That would make a lot more sense. I do not know that I would want to oh, no. shackle myself to I, an 18-year-old. I totally wouldn't. But no. It, I mean, it makes more sense than, like, transport physical sensation. I mean, that's pretty much useless unless you're uh, nearby. So if, you're, if you're star systems apart, then, like, yeah, he's, like, he's getting his leg on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he's, like, having a... Yeah, or you just got shot. It's like it doesn't really help you in any way, shape, or form. But it it clearly means a lot to uh, to her. Who smash? And- yeah, to Chana, who smashes up a poor little DRD. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they have green goo inside them. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. yeah. And this is after she does. A, she does almost a, like a benediction gesture. She uh. folds the the life disc between her steepled hands and raises it up over her over her head. And yeah, then she acts out against the poor little DRD that didn't deserve that. No, not at all. Then we have an angry Erin who is uh, very much distressed about her uh, prowler being stolen yes something that has like everybody steals her prowler every now and again and like right. dargo does it all the time and she never really really like gets angry about that i wonder why she chose the prowler and not one of the uh, marius transport pods but eh. that's a good point We've seen her fly those before, I think. Yeah. Apparently, it's not hard to fly. She she does make a, a, a perfect landing on a planet yes. uh, where they pursue her to, although with some difficulty because Pilot, he, he sort of snippily remarks that, well, some of Moya's systems have been taken apart. By, well, he, by doesn't actually, he doesn't actually say that. I did not immediately detect her departure because several of my control systems have been offline. But he, no, he, and he, he's he, even not passive-aggressive about it. He pretty much infers that whatever uh, John has been doing is, yeah, preventing them from going after her or, I mean, apparently not from detecting where she's gone because uh, we see next on, and I know you said we weren't going to do it blow by blow, but I think we have to set up the the scene. uh, Yeah, no, uh, this is a good point because this is like the the next major, the next... The last two major arcs in here are actually like the A and the B plot, yeah. which I don't think are anywhere near as important as the emotional arc. So no. the A and the B plot are, there's this uh, royal cemetery planet. Yes, uh, Outback 7, I think it's called. Uh, <laughs> How did you get there? I don't know, it just kind of looked like that. Outback 7 it is. Where, where Chiana's immediately set upon the Lost Boys. Yes, that's <laughs> what they are. It is, isn't it? Yeah, there's the, the, the sort of Logan's Run meet Mad Max... You know, the children from Mad meets Max. Peter Pan, meets Peter Pan, yes. It's like <laughs> Mad Max 2 or 3. I believe, 2 is, I believe, with the kids. I had not even arrived at Peter Pan yet. When you said Lost Boys, I thought, like, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland uh, okay. and, uh, and the hot, like, vampire. No, I was, I was more thinking Peter mm. Pan at first, but... <laughs> Sorry, my brain's with Kiefer Sutherland and all of his various I can see vamp- why your brain vampiric would be adventures. There. No, fair enough. No, but I'll join you in the Land of Tides. So, this is the, uh, the A plot which is these young people living on this dead planet and they only live to be 22 years old and we slowly sort of peel back the layers of their thrill-seeking, drug-fueled philosophy and how that can be uh, prevented because their lives are are being stunted by exposure to radiation that is amplified by the caves they live in and all they have to do is move out. 
Yeah, I know that's not how, how radiation works. No, well, I mean, okay, so we'll get to that later, because uh, there was, like, a lot of confusion on my end about what, you know what? what the hell... Mintaka what the he- 3. Yeah, let's, what let's the heck was going on there. Let's work this one out first. Let's okay. work this one out, and then we can get All right. back. So the, the Lost Boys actually have someone called The Lost, which are people who haven't taken the plunge, I believe, and are living on the fringes of the fring- already fringe society, and they are slowly yeah. dying. Because they're sort of cultural practice is that as you reach the the end of your healthy life, you perform a, a, a sort of a suicide ritual called yeah. Taking the Stone, which is the episode title. And if you don't do that, then you decay and and you're, you become kind of gross and you get these pustules. Right. But if you do and you survive, then apparently you still don't get to be old because there's like nobody's old there. Yeah, okay. So this was unclear to me as well, but what I think I figured out... So we see the ceremony early on, and we see some people jumping into this pit while while yelling, and they're yelling, Aaron recognizes that, activates a sonic net that actually cushions their fall. Right, because the the other one who doesn't yell smashes down to the ground. You'd think that they figured that one out by now, you know? I think it's either a matter of courage or it's a choice. Okay. Because the the one who falls and like there's a whole plot about about him and his and his his partner who is carrying his child and he's discovered the secret of the lost people and that that a plot was kind of tough to unwind because there's a right. lot of fancy like a lot of neologisms being being used here like girls are nixas dudes are garners I was babies wondering, are gnarls ah okay I was wondering about that like at one point I thought they were just calling everybody who was like not one of them nixa I think it I think it's gendered oh okay I think Makes it's sense. Uh, come on garners he, he says to to the lads there's other stuff in there like drad is cool it's gonna be drad. You scope something, and your your truth like this. There's a lot of it delivered quite well, I thought. Yeah, by the, I, uh, by the actors playing. I mean, uh, the, fir- the first time um, uh, John and Aaron meet the uh, meet the Lost Boys, there's a whole monologue from one of them, and it's like it sounds like it should make sense. Venus mazed by you, age lines, dead spots. You're historic, Nick's historic. <laughs> Let's go, Goddess. They're worn out. Agents. But you right, can't really right. catch, and it, and it beautifully mirrored by John. As soon as the guy wanders off, looks at Aaron, goes, "Did you catch any of that?" And like <laughs> that's like exactly mir- mirroring my sentiment. Like I'm sitting there, should I have turned the subtitles on for this one? It's like it's just like some Australian accent that I'm completely missing out on. That I'm, but no, this is intentional and very well done. Yeah, yeah, I actually kind of like this stuff. Like, there's a there's a not very highly regarded episode of uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager where Chakotay is kidnapped and has his has his mind sort of erased, and he's for some reason his universal translator works with this culture where they all have very different like speech patterns, and if you don't wrestle your trembles into rages, ally, like really Shakespearean nonsense like that. Okay. I, I kind of like it, especially when it's like there are consistent rules to it that clearly the actors understand and that the uh, that the writer have have conveyed and it's up to us to sort of figure out what, what? It, also on this planet for some reason Rigel came along again why, why? yes <laughs> he's so like I'm thinking of no, not IET. Jeremiah Crichton, right? Where he came along with uh, Dargo, uh, with Dargo, and la- and I, I cannot figure out why he came along on this on this mission. But he's he's glad when he does. He recognizes this as a royal cemetery planet. He even asks Crichton, "Well, where did you bury your leaders on Earth? Just underground, next to where you lived. That's disgusting." <laughs> Yes. Gross. So the thing I, I thought was amusing that apparently this this is a death planet or at least a graveyard planet. Yes. And it's full. Yeah. 
and I'm just like, holy crap, that's a lot of dead people that buried there. If you like, if your planet is now full, also maybe you're not really burying them well enough because there's well, there's that there's a, there's a lot of depth. But I guess it's and they, it's like and a, apparently it has big long tunnel systems for some reason. I guess that maybe maybe the the lost boys are the descendants of the original uh, grave keepers. I suppose is that the word? Oh no, the, graveyard tent. I should know this because I'm a grave I, digger, but that's just a person. Well, yeah, but the, like I have an uncle. Uh, in this profession, oh, okay. whose uh, whose family lived on a, uh, on a on a cemetery and, and helped to maintain it in in Northern Ireland, it was, a, it was an interesting place to live. It's actually it's, like, it's really kind of nice, nice and, and quiet. And, yeah, yeah. Like, did you ever notice that almost all cemeteries have like a a, a wall or a gate or, or a fence around it? Is that to keep the zombies in? Yes, it's not to keep people out. Okay, <laughs> I'm really glad that they put those up there. Although sometimes you know a zombie jamboree sounds like a lot of fun. Well. Maybe oh, who for, was maybe, it? Maybe was that, for a zombie. Was that Trini Lopez? I oh, know who am I thinking know. of. Belafonte. Oh. Oh. Back to back and a belly to belly and I don't give a damn because I've done that already. Oh, back to back and a belly to belly at the zombie jamboree. Oh, I don't really think I've, heard, I've heard a lot of his songs, but I don't think I've heard that one. Uh, Rigel, being Rigel, immediately goes to grave robbing, even though he's admonished by John to not do that and him decrying that. And like, <laughs> then he goes, like, he notices a shiny and he pulls at it. And this, and this there's more shiny. opens up and there's like a huge case of cheap... Gold gilded I, metal yeah, gold. Okay. It looks it looks very cheap and fake. Why is treasure always cups? Have you noticed that? Yes, it's true. always a bunch of cups and but rubies. I, rubies are also very popular too. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the props department has to make all of these or source all of these, and it it is a lot of work. Of course, and it, I mean, it, this kind of looked like it came out of you know Muppets Treasure Island. You know, it's like <laughs> upstage boys. This is my only number. <laughs> Hey, hey, let's resolve this one first, because we've just added all the plot lines, but this one we can resolve, because he steals this treasure, takes it back up to Moya, gets found out by Dargo and by Zan. Yes. Uh, Zan starts praying over it, a new Delvian prayer, I noticed. Will you please shut up? I'm doing this for your benefit, Rigel. Oh, thank you. Now benefit me elsewhere. I'm trying to sleep. Because she's worried that it might be coist. Yes, because he like one of the things he finds is a mask, which comes with a little bonus. Like oh yeah, there's a little. So, of so it's like some, so, yeah, he opens a box and it's like it it contains this beautiful death mask, and then he takes it off, and there's actually the head that it's still belong to is still underneath there yeah and it's got this big worm crawling out of one of the eye sockets and he goes like "Ooh, bonus and he snap nags it and then uh, starts munching down on it <laughs> yeah oh i remember reading about jonathan hardy the uh, the voice actor yeah. apparently he's always so delighted when he reads in a script oh and eats something oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mask turns out it turns out that Zan was right. Oh, I did love that little thing when yeah she's trying to protect him and he's like asking her to stop because she's keeping him awake when he's trying. The to only do, curse here is you is on you it would be on you. yeah oh yes no he calls Zan the curse, curse yes. Oh, the only curse here is you and but he got he counters and anyway if there is a curse which says not it'll just be on me. Yes, it will. Yes. And wanders off. So maybe that's what her prayer did. 
Oh, it actually cursed the things. Well, no, mm-hmm. just make sure that the curse is sealed in oh, around that makes sense. Rigel, and then it can't be inherited by anyone. Considering the hand movements. Those yes, were, exactly. She was going, it won me, it won me, it won me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, it turns out they are. Uh, he, he decorates his sleeping chambers with all the loot and uh, remarks on the fact that it's a, a proper way for a dominar quarters to look like. Uh, to be surrounded by the, the bloody trophies of his, uh, of his conquests. Did he learn that from Crace? Maybe. Did he look around at all the Hynerian heads in Crace's boudoir and go, uh, I should have more of this I junk? I want some of those. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he wants his cousin on there, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah, stuff starts falling off the wall. He starts getting pelted by various items from that he's stolen, uh, yeah. cu- culminating in a, a box of hairpins, which is... Sort of erecting and yep. jumping out at him, and then he and then he finally like relents and asks Pilot whether the transport is ready. All of this sort of felt like, I don't know, like a, a like a sort of, of diorama at a, at a, like Walt Disney or the or the fantastic Dutch theme park, the Efteling, yeah. where you have like you have all of these like little uh, like fairy tale houses with uh, with animatronics inside, and oh the the, the danse macabre, the yes. the wonderful animatronic diorama of of a graveyard where everything comes to life and you've yeah. got puppets moving around. I think it was just inserted in here as a B plot to put a little bit of levity in the episode because otherwise it would have been a fairly dire yeah it, it's a very episode. dark and grim episode yeah i mean I could, I could sort of imagine that that dave elsie from the uh, from the creature shop sort of looked at this and goes oh there's nothing for us to do there's no new creatures no well, can we have some worms can we can we make some jewels come to life come on the, yeah there's some I mean, yeah i mean the only because thing- bored puppeteers are the the, like, oh, the engine of creativity i can and imagine the- yes a budgetary nightmare. <laughs> the only, I was going to say, the only thing we get to see is a new uh, hairdo for uh, Chiana, and that's pretty bad, much it. A bad, bad hairdo. Well, I'm, yes. I'm very supportive of, of lots of, but this was... Oh, I mean, I love her usual beautiful, bushy, silver-gray, blue hair. It's like So envious of her yes. volume. And, of course, she can do whatever she wants with it, but it looked like they just rubbed some clay into yeah, their hair. just to make it turn it into dreadlocks. Pull it into... Oh, that, is that dreads? When you do it like that? Dreads have volume. Well, it was still sticking all over the place. These are sort of twists. Yeah. Little, I mean, it's little, how you start dreads. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have a lot of experience. But hey, look at us. We have resolved one of the plot lines. So that's the Rigel plot line done yes. with. He ends, up, he ends up taking the uh, jewellery back and uh, everything that he's stolen and putting it back into the appropriate graves oh, and stuff. This is actually kind of satisfying to do. There's actually a little high when you resolve one of these <laughs> plot lines. Do you feel it? I see what you mean, yes. Uh, so that's like, we don't have to talk about Rigel anymore unless we want to. And also notice that like we barely see Dargo at all. He like he has like a few yeah, good a point. few scenes at the beginning and that's it. We don't see any of him anymore. Yeah, Zan also barely features. He has a little bit more to do and she's on the radio when they send a scan up to her. Right. Uh, you'd think that like if someone's having an emotional crisis so Zan front and center, but no. Oh, good point. Well, she must still be reeling from her own like abandonment of the Sikh. It's all on uh, Aaron and John to make sure that Chiana gets back. Or yeah. at least is taken care of, or at least doesn't have any big problems. They they find Chiana in a weird chamber where she's hung upside down with swinging rocks around her. Strangest foreplay ever. <laughs> she's uh, 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 she's yelling at it, everyone. She uh, like she looks in danger of being crushed by those giant weights between them. And so John and Aaron wants to save her. This this whole episode got to show off a lot of Gigi Edley Edgley's oh. like. 
athletic training. Uh, she has circus experience. Oh, I was going to say or dance. I was going to say dance, dance, train, dance definitely. Because, yeah, she she moves beautifully. It's like when, when, even when she's just hanging there in those in the tra- in the trapeze. But she's an experienced tra- trapeze artist. Trapezoid. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, she's an experienced trapezoid. trapezoid. <laughs> yeah, the trapezoids are an alien species who are. Who, Never, n- never leave the circus tent. They're always swinging about, and their entire reproductive life, life cycle is... Uh, okay, there's a PC-13 podcast, the, it, but we can see... Takes place in the big top, yes. <laughs> so, so Chiana, when she was set upon by the, by the Lost Boys, actually was included... Into their into their culture, they're yes. they're young, they're thrill seeking. They even I noticed that the, as soon as the first one emerges, he sort of jumps up and he does the same sort of cat crouch that she does. Yeah, they all sort of move like she does. So of course she'll feel at home here. Right. I mean, the, the first scene when when they uh, when she first sees them, it has a little bit of assault vibes. Which I guess is done as a because the guy's holy he pulls out his poniard or whatever the fuck the pointy bit yeah. is, and it kind of it kind of makes it seem like she's being. Uh, yeah, she's uh, being attacked. Ta- being attacked, taken prisoner, and then of course, uh, let's mark her. But it's sort of a it's sort of a hazing thing, you know. I, like, yeah, that turns out. But like the the viewer is left in uh, uh, unaware of this at least until they come out of. Uh, she, she comes down from this weird uh, contraption, and it turns out she was there voluntarily, and she was actually showing off because no one has ever lasted more than fifteen microts in there. And yeah, I, I'm still not sure if a microt is a minute or a second. It's sort of a second. I think it's a little longer than a second because they do say minutes. But I think it's spelled different as well. But right. yeah, a microt is one mipipipi, two mipipipi. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, John and Aaron bust in, shoot up the place, thinking that she's being held hostage. These kids are easily cowed. Yes, they're like they're actually not very threatening because well, they try to be, but they yeah they're not. John is like having none of it, and he he insists that Chiana goes with him, but she says she doesn't have the time. She's she's rejecting him. No, I'm frightened. No, I don't have the time. And this this sort of sets up the the arc of uh, uh, John trying to like re-earn Chiana's faith in him. He wants, I think, the same relationship that they had before, where he's more attentive to her than she is to herself. And he realizes he's failed in that, and she realizes it as, it as well. And so she won't give him that trust. She won't. Well, yeah, she's like very much put out by the fact that he blew her off when she needed it, and now he's uh, yeah. he kind of like ha- has to re-earn. Her emotional trust that she'll that she can come to him when she's got something to to talk about, right? And it's only made worse by by the fact that he is rejecting her choice, which is to like uh, seek these thrills and do yeah. these drugs and 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 live this life as a way of uh, processing. Well, let's be fair, avoiding her yes. grief. She literally throws it in his face and says that she was supposed to be able to leave whenever she wanted. And yeah, she goes like, "This is it. I want to leave." Yep. And he goes like, "Well, yeah, I kind of did say that, but I think I still think you're being stupid about it." You know? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of that going on, and yeah, and it's, yeah, it's it's Aaron who takes the sort of right tack, like John. After this interaction, John gives the uh, gives the life disc to to Aaron. And says, "Go and go and find Chiana and like yeah. show her this and and, and talk and to her." And she's like, "Oh, well, should I do it?" And like he's like, "Ah, oh, well, she doesn't really want to talk to me she's right now." She's pissed at me. Yeah, that was a good insight. Yeah, like knowing when to when to step aside when when you can't do it. If only he showed that insight a little bit more consistently. Well, yes, there's that. Uh, but I mean, he's been he's been very good towards his uh, crewmates in the last couple of episodes, and yeah, this was a little bit of a I guess a lapse or a well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it out since, of character, but yeah, we've noticed that since season two, he has he has some 
much more extreme reactions. Like you saw his his pretty like extreme defensiveness toward Dargo, yeah. protecting him from the uh, from the Orican. Like if the if the Orican doesn't doesn't support Dargo, then yeah. frell her. He was like very right. fiery about that, and he's just as fiery here about wanting Chiana Chiana safe. Right, but he also seems to be a little bit more how to put it. Bit, a little bit more to the extremes. One moment he's like super protective, and the other moment he's like, yeah, uh, he, he's fickle. I would almost call it. You never really know how he's going to respond. He can go extremely one way or extremely the other way. That's really interesting. Like, have you? Let, let's look at that. Like, because that 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 is something that's happening to uh, to Crichton. Like, when did this start occurring to you? Oh, I would say probably after he got out uh, the, out of the chair with uh, the Aurora chair. The Aurora yeah. chair, yeah. That's that's when it's he, he he's become less laid back. I mean, he was always like anxious about coming home, mm-hmm. but now he seems to be a little bit more angry one moment and concerned the next, and he seems to like swing back and forth between those two. Yeah, yeah. And you can't like I can't always predict which one. It's like. I, it might be slightly uh, as the plot requires it. Well, yeah, uh, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All characters are are slaves to the plot, just as the plot is a is a vessel for them. Yeah. I think he even starts to notice it. He asks Aaron lately, "Do I seem a little crazy to you?" What do you mean, lately? <laughs> and he's like, uh, "Okay." So she hasn't she hasn't noticed. So or she's just being flippant about it. <laughs> Yeah. Which would also not be beyond Aaron's. Like, you know, she does have this occasional streak. I think it's an avoidance thing when she doesn't want to talk about something that she becomes flippant. I I mean, she is not known for her humor. No. No. Like, like some people use humor as a, as a defense mechanism to, uh, to make light of, of tense situations. Well, I'm thinking of, do I actually know anyone on Farscape that does that? I mean, it's not John. He just he's he wears his emotions on his on his sleeve, right. and he's always. But he, yeah, he hides behind colloquialisms and weird Earth sayings. Like as we learn in this episode, apparently he has somewhere picked up Cockney rhyming slang. Yes, which I'm just yes. like, what? <laughs> Let's get her on the dog and bone. Like, why get does Zan it, on the dog and bone? Yeah, <laughs> like why? <laughs> I think Aaron is even baffled. But sure, what whatever that means. Yeah, she's like. I think she's like. Taking taking those things in stride and just goes like just smile and nod like whenever Her translator micro whenever he says something like that yes <laughs> so yes the leader of the lost boys is this guy called Molnon I think Molnon very good Molnon okay who is very much well I think he's trying to get into Chana's pants basically that seems to be his primary motivation right I thought he was really interesting so his arc is that he wants babies he wants to live longer like I, I i sort of pieced it together a lot better this time than during my first few rewatches yeah. and i've got to say i did not rewatch this episode quite as 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 much as others it was not on my your list of interesting episodes yeah it's not one of my favorites but so he says that the only thing worth having is a gnarl which is a baby okay and he wants one but his 22nd year is coming up yeah. and as the sort of spokesperson for uh, for cliff divers anonymous he has an obligation to jump which he wants wants to pass on to Chiana so she can jump and he doesn't. Yeah, so that's, that makes no sense. Same. Like, how's, it not, how's that I don't work? get it. How can she jump in his stead when he's already getting and up to And clearly you age, can yeah. just choose not to and become a lost person. Yes. And I, I was kind of wondering, because like he says like the taking the stone is the, first, the second best thing. And then she goes on and she asks what's the first best thing. And like that is apparently having a kid. I thought he was just talking about sex. 
Yeah, because he he does he does kiss her. Yeah, at that point they start making out. And- oh my god! Like, was that thing also an IUD? And are we going to have a pregnant Shana in the future? <laughs> can I put points on that? You can put points on it I'll if put, you want. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put, ooh, ooh. Do I want to go? Yes or no? It's going to be that. double digits or nothing, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't. Uh, uh, I just put a little side bet on there. It's like I know you've got hundred eighty. You've got hundred and fifty-five <laughs> points left, Elf. You've got okay. uh, some of them are uh, uh, spoken for in, yeah, in exactly. lockdown in bets. Yes, I think you've, oh. no. I think you've got you've got two. Yeah, you had hundred and eighty-five okay. points, and you put down two thirty-point bets already. All right. So I'll put I'll put ten points on there being a Chiana pregnancy event. I'm not going to say like. If I think if, that's fair. If, I think if, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sci-fi thing, so right. Gianna pregnancy something. Yes. All right. I'll put 10 points on that. But yes, so there's this, like, yeah, the ritual seems to be, there's this big pit, and at the bottom there's this sonic net, and you jump down, and it either catches you or it doesn't catch you, and if it catches you, you've taken the stone, or and if, if it doesn't catch you, you've given yourself to the stone, which is also fine. Everybody's happy with that as no, well. well I, I didn't get, I think it's if you if you eat shit, then you've taken the stone. Oh, is that And it? then they scrape you off. I think. I there's a lot sure. about this that I and, it's got, that I and they've get. got this like this like <gasps> gesture that they do, which is like the uh, arms above the head. It's almost yeah. like one of those arm dancing. It's like, it's very Thai dancing style movement, you know. I thought that was so cool because it's it's this it's this sort of like amen gesture, but it's really surprising. Comes really abruptly yeah, it's like, uh, it's, when it's, Molnon does it. It's a slow slow movement down towards both, and then suddenly ah, arms up. Yep. And it doesn't seem to be like precipitated by anything. It's just decided to do, and then everybody responds as quickly as possible, like at some kind of it's like, Rochambeau like, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. kind of like you have to put your hands above your head, like not it, or like your finger <laughs> no against goes, yeah, exactly. or, uh, <laughs> oh. Do you know Get Down, Mr. President? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Where everyone in the group, like one person, like touches their left ear until yeah. someone notices, and then they also touch their left ear until everybody touches their left except ear, except one, one person, person who's then dog piled on. And it's like, Get, Get down, down, Mr. Mr. President. <laughs> yes. See, it's these kind of games that they're that they're playing with with much higher stakes. At this point, I want to talk about the set and the and the costumes because okay. wh- we spend a lot of time in this pit set and it's filmed from below mm-hmm. and it looks so cool. Yeah, they've got like these few little diving board platforms which people stand on before they take the plunge. And there's all this ochre lightning. It's it's so goth. And there's one, but that- not even gothic, just straight up. Yeah. Look, goth. There's a few shots where they look, which look up to the top of the pit, which almost look like it should have been something, but it looks more like there's a dome up there. And we never really Probably some like ne- mausoleum of Necropolis. Yeah, never really comes up again what's going on with that. There's a little bit of reverent looking up at that, but uh, then it's just back to jumping into the pit and yeah. So this jumping, I mean, it's 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 really cool how these how these guys do the do the jumping. Chiana, who eventually does get to do the jump backwards. Yeah. yeah, she said she really enjoyed it because it was an especially high jump. She really liked that <laughs> to do those. To do those I, assume, stunts. I assume she just landed on some sort of uh, trampoline or mattress and just out of view of the camera. Well, so here's a case where okay, originally the the costumes were going to be much skimpier. These were going to okay. be sort of surfer looking people. Yeah, but they had to hide the safety harnesses. Ah, yes. They had to. They had to be able to wear safety harnesses so they could because there's wire work when they when they of sort course, of yeah. land when they're caught in an air cushion. So their costumes had like you see it's all these straps and yeah. like all of that is sort of built around the safety harnesses that they had to wear. That makes sense. Yeah, isn't that cool? And it looks gorgeous when she finally takes the plunge and uh, of course survives because she's a main character. Uh, but like her her body her movement the way she arches her legs and arms and it's just oh, so yeah. gorgeously great. 
graceful. It's like amazing to watch that scene. It's like she, it's like she landed in, in I don't know, like foam or jello, and she's just letting herself glide down. It's beautiful, and just the the the, the sinuous grace of Gigi Edgeley is. Magnificent. Oh, something to behold, that's for sure. Speaking of something to behold, another sort of makeup slash costume choice, there is one pregnant uh, uh, young woman here, and she has a transparent belly. Yeah, that was kind of, like, weird. But I thought it was such a cool choice. Like, you could actually see the baby growing. Yeah, uh, I suppose it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, this is just a a feature of the species. Right, well, the later uh, notes in the later scene, it was covered up. Yes. Okay. Using the still on the on the Mintaka three, thing, we're jumping all over yes. the place. Oh yeah. Uh, there's one of the later confrontations where Aaron and Crichton talk to this uh, this young woman whose partner, I think, he he he's, he's shit early who, on. Yeah, he's the one who he, dies at the uh, the first time we see the ritual after he's figured out the secret actually, and that's what they get out of her while she's, I think, in labor. Yes. And they're trying to be. Like, yeah. Yeah, and she's and she's screaming and yelling, and they're like, just tell us a little bit more about that. It's like advance the plot, please. Can you? (laughs) Yes, Uh, that actually really like bothered me watching the the, this 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 young woman in obvious pain. I mean, I thought for a second maybe she's just having a super duper hangover because we saw her with her with her her big old jug of moonshine earlier on that she was swigging from. No, I think this was like definitely labor contractions. Right, like seemed like the kind of thing that was going on there. No sympathy from Aaron or John. No. So the, the like, we've hit I think on most of the like sort of major movements so far, yeah. except for one, which is it's Aaron who understands Chiana. Aaron, when she goes to uh, to see Chiana that very first time, and she tosses the life disc at her, she's ready to walk away, and Chiana opens up to her and says that it's about her brother Neri. Which and now then, apparently did. Yeah. Yeah. And then Aaron stops and uh, stops and listens to her. And throughout this episode, Aaron tries to teach John that this has to be her choice. That 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 Chiana is processing her her grief, yes. and she's going to make bad choices. But the solution is not to stop her making those choices. She's eventually going to like if she wants to kill herself. Is that what she's here to do? Yeah. She can do that on Moya. We have suicide at home. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was that was super flippant. Oh, I see what you mean. It's like uh, uh, I'm going to have to backtrack a little bit because there's a scene where John talks to Molnon. Uh, and Molnon says, like, I'm not telling you anything unless you eat one of these shrooms. Like, there's four of them, they're always growing four, three of them will make you high, one of them will kill you. Yeah. Uh, and John, like, and that, I, I was surprised by that. He just goes, like, takes it, and he goes, like, oh. he just munches straight down. That, that, yeah. that seemed like very un-John thing to take, like, a one in four chance to die. I'm uh, not going to talk until you taste. <laughs> I mean, he wants the plot advanced, but... <sighs> Do you think Chiana is maybe not the only one who is kind of done up, done with? Yeah, I mean, Chiana is like stricken with grief. John is just like probably get to the point that he's getting fed up with it. But it, it's it's a, like a one in a one in four chance is a pretty big uh, yeah, risk right? to take. While he's in this in this drug haze, which is a lot more potent than I mean, he's kind of cool when he takes this this little cluster of shrooms yeah. and he nibbles on one. So yeah, I felt a little bit envious because like I like mushrooms. That's probably Ooh, a. Yeah. Probably quite tasty. I, they don't no, agree I mean, with like, me. yeah. as a as a food. I mean, even uh, I've never food, tried they, the yeah. uh, the recreational uh, stuff. Uh-huh. But yes, uh, it's it's more like sativa actually, because it like comes on really fast and apparently doesn't last very long either. Because it like he has a brief conversation with. Uh, oh, more, as a psychotropic, you mean? Right. Yes. Sorry, you said sativa, and I thought, oh, isn't that a type of tea? Sorry, I meant I meant I, I meant salvia. Ah, sorry. That's definitely not tea. No. No wait, sativa. Sativa that's, is a, that's a sativa weed is a weed strain. strain yeah, you've got sativa and indica. I'm. 
not cool. So <laughs> I, I think you're very cool, Kaki. Oh, thank you. Care. Thank you. Like drugs don't make you cool. It's what you do on drugs that make you cool. No wait. <laughs> But yeah, he gets some information out of Molon about... Uh, Don't do drugs, kids. Let them do you. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to... Oh. We might have to edit that one out. This is... It's not going to be a very long episode, then. <laughs> but yeah, he, he has a talk with Molon. I can't actually remember what part, what information he gleams there. When it's okay, like, I've got you covered, because I was yeah. really sitting there paying attention and making a lot of notes. Yeah. This was really tricky, because he uses a lot of these of these yes. words, of like scoping and gnarls. And- you got no idea, God. So this is where Molnon reveals that he wants to live and have a baby, yeah. and that he wants Chiana somehow to take his place, and that is his scheme. And he expects Crichton to forget, because yeah. of the drugs that he made him eat. Yeah. But, but like... It doesn't really make sense. Like, no, it's like how can she do that? Like take his place and jump in his stead. It's like, I mean, he's going to die anyway because he eventually. Yeah. And okay, and then and then this continues where 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 John after he bumps into uh, uh, one of the lost people. Yeah. And and. Uh, who has these pustules? Actually, can we can we go back to that plot? Like, I, I just want to because I jumped back to this because I wanted to talk about the oh, scene sorry. that comes after this. I forgot that I was already in a flashback. Yeah, no, so- sorry. Deeper and deeper into uncharted territory he'll go. Uh, so after John takes the mushrooms and he recovers, we see him opening a med kit and eating some medical jelly beans. Yeah, and, and palming a, or keistering one of the autopipettes. One the of the, auto, yeah, the, the injectors, I believe. And this is when we're coming back to the scene where we're talking about, is he basically injects Chana with it, knocking her out, yeah. throwing her on the shoulder and starting to take her back to the prowler yep. and gets stopped by Aaron, who goes like, no, you can't do that. It's like, if this is her... Yes, this is no, her, you're right. This I, is her choice. You can't kidnap her. And that's when we come to the scene. Like, if she wants to, like, she has to process this. If she wants to die, then that's her choice. And taking her away from it isn't going to stop that. And Erin is so calm yeah. throughout this. She's calm and decisive. She's actually not going to let, let John move. But she's also not meeting him at his, like, emotional level. She's being the voice of reason that normally John tries Tends to be. Tends to be, yes. And she, and she manages and to convince him. Yeah, 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 no, he absolutely. He, like, he agrees. He's, he's standing there defined for a little bit with Chana over his shoulders in a fireman sling. And Yeah, and, 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 and asking, like, Aaron, you, this is the right thing to do now. This is, you know, uh, saving someone we care about from, from harm. But, but Aaron, like, she explains it to him. No, you're, you're, you're taking a choice away from someone who deserves to have their own, their own choices. And the whole point is... Yeah. And he agrees with her and he puts her back down and he lets her... Uh, like sleep off the, the, the whatever he it is that he injected her with. Yeah. When did you get so insightful? I understand loss. So do I. Then there's still, I mean, not, not then, we're jumping all over the place here, but like, pl- I think plot-wise... I have plot no wise, idea where we are, but... I think plot-wise we're, 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 we're covering everything. Because, like, yeah, uh, John meets one of the lost who is covered in pustules and he gets a little skin sample of them which he gets analyzed yeah. by yeah it's like a bit bit weird and goofy. I thought it was kind of cool that you can scan up a sample because uh, like yeah. he has Aaron go to the go to the prowler put this in a scanner and then Zan will do the readings well I presume it's like the scanner's there and just send, send the data up there yeah and, uh, Zan uh, discovers that they are uh, slowly dying by radiation damage which is kind of peculiar because the, ra- the background radiation level isn't all that high But according to your readings the radiation level is only 76 treads Is that high or low? No, I would have thought Huh Is that too low to make somebody sick? Yes 
trads. Hey, do you remember that from your trivia quiz? I do. Yeah, <laughs> very good. And it's, own, it's a little bit of weirdness from John there because she said it's only 70 trads. Of course, it's going to be a little. It's like pay attention <laughs> yeah. as a scientist. Uh, uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. But yeah, it's like apparently the pit amplifies this. and Something. Therefore, the jumping into it like makes you get older, except you don't get older anyway. And that's that's where I got a little bit confused in like what, what the whole deal with, with the with the Lost Boys and the background behind this. Yeah, and yeah. The Logan's, Logan's run aesthetics that we're getting oh, from, very the, good. Uh, from the flying Look, and the jumping. Uh, I yeah. think ultimately it does make sense and it does it does sort of hold together. I think there's there's a lot of like additional cultural complexity that we're not really getting here. Mm-hmm. Like how does this ritual work? How does the transference really work? Uh, there's something about the clans that have to vote and right. decide whether they move out from these sources of radiation or Be- whether they believe it or not. Because John brings this information to Molnan and says, like, we can, like, solve your problems. Like, you don't have to, like, die at 22. We c- you can just move out to the surface and you'll be fine. Because, like, it's something down here, the the the, the pit or maybe the sonic shield amplifies the radiation or concentrates it. And the yeah. fact that you're standing here and doing your thing is actually what the thing that is making you die. Which is kind of like, you know, okay, yeah, we have, they have this ritual that they do to avoid dying, but that's actually the thing that's making them susceptible to the radiation. If that's it, I mean, maybe there's some other chamber. I, I, I don't know. It it feels like maybe this script went through some iterations. Mm-hmm. I have no knowledge on this, but that that's sort of as a, yeah. I have a little bit of experience as an editor and writer, and that's sort of how it feels uh, yeah, to I me. Can that, s- I can see how that works. That it maybe had a lot more exposition in earlier in earlier drafts, and that later drafts sort of focused more on the on the really, like, emotional right. uh, arcs taking place. Which I think is what this episode is all about. Wise decision, I yeah. think. Because I, I don't mind that I didn't completely get that plot because it was clearly being being dealt with. Like, that was still all set dressing for Chiana and for John and for Aaron to to explore these emotions. Actually, no, Aaron is just wise here. It's John and Chiana who have to explore where they are, which comes to a head in the the sort of final scene with John and Chiana. Yeah, because uh, uh, the, the clans have apparently declined the vote. They voted to stay down here and keep doing things the way they are. This time they're alone in the pit. Yes, and and Chiana is still sort of standing on the on the ledge, the sort of gargoyle ledge, gazing down, and she she says that she she wants to she wants to jump, and John. Is I think like he's he's earlier he he told her like you, I know that you want this but you can't possibly want to die. They voted to keep jumping. They want to die. I just can't believe that you want to die. And that wasn't it completely. No. That's what he that's what he thought she was trying to do and what he what he wanted to, to stop her from doing it. And like there's certainly something of that in there, but she tells him that Neri was her brother was always the was always the brave one. Yeah. And she felt like she was always just tagging along for him and she she wants to do something brave. Yeah, to she honor to, to honor her brother or something like that. Maybe. Well, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, it may be like to honor her brother, but also to imagine that she can that she can live in a world without her brother. Right. That she yeah. can that she can summon this courage herself. I but, mean, she says like, uh, yeah, that she, her brother's the brave one, and that she's never done anything brave in her life, which John immediately uh, denies. He's like, I've seen you do lots of brave things. Yeah, you came to the the Frelin Gamak base with me for exactly for a lark. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine what the standards of courage must be for Nabari then? <laughs> or maybe just for Chiana. Ah, uh, true. I mean... You've shown me courage plenty of times. i got to see if I can do this, Crichton. 
Nimbari, they have their didn't they have their emotion dampening things? What is wasn't it the the whole point that she was uh, under arrest for, for being emotionally free or something like that? Yeah, for for nonconformism. Exactly, was her was her crime, and they do have that mind cleansing that they performed on Durka. There you go. Yeah. And but this doesn't sound like a very conforming thing. And maybe, yeah, her brother, her brother was also like that, or even more so than she was. And then she's like maybe being trying to live up to her brother's reputation or her brother's uh, respect, which she might be trying to earn, even though he's not there. And yeah, now even though he's he's barely mentioned at all, there like the brother looms large in this yes. in this in this episode, and the and the relationship that Chiana has with this person whom she barely talks about until Crichton sort of gives his support. He, like, that's the thing that she needed from him the sort most. Sort of, yeah. She, he, 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 stops, accept. he stops fighting her. He's, he's still clearly very worried when she actually starts to go and do the jump thing, and or at least falling backwards in her case. Yeah. Uh, but but he, he doesn't try to stop her. He doesn't try to, like, make a rush for her, grab her, or say no. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't leave either. No, no, he, he stays with her. He does immediately l- l- lean over the edge of the pit to see how it ends, to, which I think is a courageous thing to do in his own right. I mean, I'm not sure if I would like oh, be wanting yeah. to watch that. You know, it's like I know there's a chance that she'll get caught because, and I also noticed that there was the swell of the music and you had the the, the choir sound that you heard as well. During, oh, it's so beautiful during the first uh, when the first few people were jumping and who did get caught by the net, and that was absent when the person who didn't get caught, jumped. Yes, that's so right. There was he, already he cut cue. out. Yeah, there was already an audio cue that it was going to be uh, all right. Oh, yes, and the others were all do, and he was ah, and then Chiana was do again. Oh, oh. okay, I didn't quite catch that. Do. She lands and she's fine. Yeah, and this is where we see more more of her beautiful gracefulness, how she hangs in the wires and yes. like, gets caught she's by the net. Such a is, great trapezoid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and John cheers her on. Yes, he immediately, as soon as he sees he's fine, he is, he, he's whooping, he's hollering. He's, he's elated. Yes. Like, And this, it didn't feel performative. It, it feels like there was something in him that needed this as badly as she A did. A lot of tension melts away the moment this is over. And, just exp- and, they're, and they're sharing this moment, moment together. Now, okay, here's a question that I've been wanting to ask this whole episode. Yeah. You've been a skydiver. Yes. Did you relate to this kind of, kind of experience? Have you, in, in have way, you seen this kind I mean, of... I mean, for a start, it's incredibly difficult to do how you see these people jump down and stay so perfectly flat in, during, in low, during low speed freefall. Oh, okay. So once, tell me about once that. You get, once you get up to uh, speed, it's relatively easy as long as you keep your, keep your back arched and you, you do a bit of a shuttlecock uh, uh, shape. You'll be stable. That's okay, because the then you're making like a cushion of, of, right. of wind underneath. Exactly, and you're, okay. you just basically you have your limbs uh, dragging out sideways, which, which which causes a stability. Especially when you're jumping off a ledge like that, and this is something that especially base jumpers have to practice, is to like that they don't start tumbling. 
Oh. Yeah. So um, what is it? What does that require? A very careful jump. Basically, you have to like make sure that you don't over rotate, and that you start. Yeah, that you don't that you don't have a rotational momentum, and that's why when they're falling forwards off the ledge, you you, you give yourself a certain rotational. Ah, moment. you add a spin. Yeah. Exactly, and you have to be very careful to make sure that you don't get that. Ah. And, so falling down a, a shaft like that, most people would end up tumbling and bouncing off the sides rather than going, st- going straight down the middle. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what the sonic net is already maybe helping it's, with. Maybe it is. Yeah, that would be oh. a good. That would be a good explanation. But that, 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 those were my primary thoughts when I was watching this. Uh, <laughs> as for uh, imagine uh, how it would have looked if it was more realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just dopplering down to their doom. Yeah, that would be horrible. Uh, we're not laughing about very savoury things this episode, no, I noticed. It's Gosh. Like, I mean, I guess it's like we have to be a, a, put a bit of levity into which would otherwise be a very dark episode. But it's a, I mean, that's, it's kind of appropriate. Like, it's a, it's a really mature episode. This, this deals with, like, with, like, okay, drugs, youthful drinking, yeah. teen pregnancy. Emotional uh, development. Uh, yeah, emotional crisis. Yeah. Brushing with death as a, as a means of processing trauma. I mean, not the healthiest way to do that. I was going to say, like, the heart wants what the heart wants, but it's probably more like the, the, the adrenaline gland wants, uh, wants a little exercise now yeah. and then, too. <laughs> you need a good squeeze in here. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's a, there's a lot of... This is a really, really grown-up... Uh, a set of subjects for an episode. And then there's the wonderful animatronic lunacy of Rigel's cursed treasure. Rigel is a bit of the uh, yeah his like, pirate booty. Yes, he, he is a bit the comic relief in this episode. Oh, he's I would so say so good at it. Oh yes, of course. Uh, it's like I mean, you can always count on Rigel being hungry and greedy, and yeah. it's like always easy to play off. It's uh... Rigel doesn't need anyone to approve of him. True. He can have a good time on his own. He doesn't care about that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. Th- I, th- I think he does care, but he pretends not to. Yeah. There was one more episode, a moment when I thought that was uh, a little bit of reminiscent of uh, Peter Pan, when he's like, at one point, John is holding Molnan. I think he's holding him captive, and he's going, tick, tick, tick. Yes. And oh, like, very good. Yeah. So that's a moment where he's uh, uh, where they're about where Tiana's about to take the stone, and he stops yeah. that with all the all the other youths around. I don't uh, know. That's, the, the, that's when they go into the uh, t- talking about bringing it to a vote whether or not they should move to the uh, to the surface. I think. Yeah, I, th- I, I didn't even get what the I vote mean, was at, about. At, at one point, right. at one point, both him and Aaron are pointing their guns at everybody, and it's. Uh, who are easily cowed. But yes, he right. grabs Molnon, grabs him in a headlock, and taunts him with, hey, do you want to take the stone? How about yeah. we go together? And oh, then, yeah. yeah. Tick, tick, tick. And tick, that was tick. a little bit of TikTok croc or whatever it was in there. Oh. <laughs> well, okay, so in this allegory, what does that make him? Is, is Crichton Hook? Well, no. In that, I mean, Hook is the one who gets threatened by the ticking, so that would still that would make Crichton Peter Pan rather than... Uh, Crichton is Peter Pan. All right. Although, I mean, Molnan is clearly usually meant to be the Peter Pan, but he is also the hook because he's the one who has the scheme in getting other people to die for him. So it's like, yeah. I mean, Molnan is And then Chiana the, is Rufio. I Rufio! <laughs> yes, she totally is. That is, she would do oh, very, Oh, I learned something on the, on the other podcast, Rebel Air, that's Air with an H, where there's a side character at one point who's played by the same actor, Dante, oh, I forget his surname, who played Rufio. Oh, nice. He went to the same high school, same year as Pedro Pascal oh, wow. from from The Mandalorian and Game of Thrones. Just imagine being in a class like that with that kind of 
like gloriously hot talent. Because right. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my day, I had a little age-appropriate crush on on, on Rufio. Oh, I was, he was a little bit young for me at that time, but uh. well, young young Kaki was uh, had some had some complicated feelings about. I mean, that I one. can see it. Like he's a very he was a very handsome lad. You know, the, the 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 mohawk, the red hair. You did a little bit of the hair coloring at, uh, in I your sure younger days. Did. Yes. And now that I'm thinking about it, that ooh, Rufio may have left a bigger mark on me than I than I remembered. All right. So we've have we, I think we've we, we've actually picked this episode apart. Yes, it was an unconventional approach, but I think that really worked for this for this episode because yeah. like the main A and B plots eh, didn't really sort of work. They didn't and, very mesh very well. No, work for me. I've got to I've got to say, but. Yeah, those character arcs. It's not about the sequence of events, it's about what everybody goes through. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely true. Although, like, part of me worries that we'll we'll hang up this recording and then we'll remember, oh, we totally forgot to talk about, like, the gonzo 20-minute animated sequence of, of, of drug-fueled right. psycho- psychotropy where he you know, rides the dragon and, <laughs> oh, you dear. know... <laughs> we can't stay here, this is cave bat country. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all bats cave bats? Oh, no, I guess some of them live in trees. Then why are they? Wait, okay. Uh, I mean, I said that to be funny because you know right. it's a it's a reference to Hunter I, S. Thompson, I know, but I know, the original is fruit bat country. Fruit bats are named after what they eat. No, so what does that bat, say about it's, cave? It's, it's just bat country. Oh, it's just bat it doesn't country. matter. There's no fruit bats in North America. Oh, okay. yeah, I'm sorry. Let them eat caves. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know there's more species of bats than any other species of mammal? No, oh, I did not. It's, it's, I guess there's like lots of variety in bats. Yeah, I mean they got, you have like literally stupidly tiny bats, which are like the size of like oh, the so size of precious. your fingertip, and then you've got the huge flying foxes ones. I mean, I wonder if that makes them also makes the the subclass with the largest variety in size. Interesting. You know, between the smallest and the largest member. Well, if you take deer, they come in really, really ickle versions. Like the right. dick dick is a tiny, yeah, tiny yeah. little angry deer. Yeah, yeah. The canchil is even smaller, I think. Oh, uh, the dick dick has the mobile nose, right. though. That's so cute. So cute. The also, pre- prehensile nose. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great Twitter account that just posts pictures of these little animals, and it's called dick Unsolicited Dick Dicks. Dick dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Willies and Woodies. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. Yes. Tricky, I right? Had, I had one. And, okay, I think my Woody definitely goes to uh, Chiana's choreography. <gasps> oh, good one. Yes. That's definitely, I mean, that she she is gorgeous in this episode. It's like she moves beautifully. Every, she's a delight to look at. Even in the moments when she's in, when she's in distress, even in the opening scene of the episode, when she's kind of like stumbling through the corridors in her seemingly drunk I, or, yeah. uh, drunk or drugged stupor. But like, even then her movements are kind of like prowling. Yeah, yeah. You, you cannot take your eyes off her when no. she, when she moves. Uh, oh, that's a really good choice. As for my willy, I think it'll have to be the nebulous uh, plot devices around taking the stone and what's going on with. Yeah, it, I, I'd be in. Yes, it I kind of you. detracts a little bit because it had me really think. Okay, what's going on? He wants to like get her to take the stone, but it's never really explained how this works. And like, also, if they'd survive, then they, apparently they still don't get get old. That was all a little bit. Yeah, I, I know it was like not really the point of the episode, but still. It, hey, like, and also probably like some some some. Eager listeners will explain it to us that we that yeah. we just missed some very basic stuff. That's very that's well it. possible, but I still, yeah, that's that, that's the thing that I was sitting there 
wondering about while watching the episodes. Like, I can't follow this. I, like, no, I, I get you. That I'm was very that. much my experience the first time I watched it as well. Uh-huh. I'd be curious to see if there's there's earlier versions of the the, the script by Justin, oh. Justin Mondro that might uh, that might clarify this a bit more. I think that's a very good choice. All right. For for myself, oh, I think my Woody will have to go to like the the, the costume and makeup because these these kids like yeah they've got these these, uh, these almost Celtic tattoos on their cheek uh, and this fleur de lis on the forehead yeah exactly they've got these these beautiful patterns that they make on uh, uh, on themselves so Woody for yeah Woody for 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 makeup Willie yep. for hair because I I don't love that. oh wait hold on I mean you look at Molnon. He's got the he's got the red twists as well with the with the clay in it. Yeah, but he's also got grey in there. Yes, as if he's got a got a layer of grey goop there first, and or maybe like grey was last season's hair color, and oh, he's that, upgraded. Oh, that seems into, like it makes more sense. Yeah, but and then Shanna has the opposite because she's yes. got like the grey skin, but she's got the red markings where they've been wor- uh, rubbing the clay into her hair. Yeah. That was actually kind of a uh, okay. So that's gonna be a, it's gonna be if a little if a little Willy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My nickname in high school. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> and that's the story so, so far, Scape. We'll see you next week with episode 204. Crackers, Crackers don't, don't matter. matter. And, okay, so I've opened up a little form. Uh, uh, you can check us out on Twitter. It's at SoFarscape and, and ask us about that. I've opened up a little form where our listeners can submit their synopses for future episodes. And we've got a bunch of synopses for, oh, uh, for yeah. this one. Uh, let's see how much I can piece together from what's going to happen next week from these synopses. So first from Patricia Vanover, we have humans are superior, shooter, and then we'll have pizza and margarita shooters. Where's my damn ice cream? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, next is, is Wookie. And nice try. We are not saying the rest of your username uh, the lesser life forms lose their minds when a snake oil salesman sells them a pipe dream to protect Moya from unfriendly eyes featuring the great cracker shootout Scorpius's coming out party and puke covered clothing wow well there's more crackers from Grace who says there's just too many damn crackers I, oh Grace Grace who is at Marshland Witch on Twitter and a, a few months ago she did a rewatch of Farscape and her tweets are fantastic like one of her tweets was like a, a lesbian asking a straight couple so which one of you is the uh, multi-limbed crustacean and which one of them <laughs> you is the, the living biomechanoid ship? Okay, yeah, I can see where that was coming from. Uh, from Matthew B., after a supply run leaves much to be desired, namely for soup and salad, a blind five-head visits Moya to help. After some inexplicably mutinous behaviour, old blue eyes shows off his bondage skills and demonstrates just how remarkable humans are. Uh, Ellie Rocks 110 says, Blind guy watches Family Feud. <laughs> and then follows up with another one, an unconventional move where someone de- delivers two of them, but I welcome it. Space roommates begin to hoard and fight each other over food when the fridge is empty and all that's left is the stuff in the pantry. A friend comes over that none of the roommates know and they just kind of keep to a guest room doing whatever they're doing. Okay, this is going to be one hell of an episode. I can can, yes well apparently uh, Scorpius is going to show up again but other than that I'm not sure what's what what is what on earth is going to go on or what on Moya is going to go on good job everyone so that's going to be season two episode four crackers don't matter coming up next week Uh, you can find us on SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook and on SoFarscape.com I'm Kay I'm Kaki SoFarscape so good. good